Lead and empower her with Dr. Julie Ducharme, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. Lead and empower her with Dr. Julie Ducharme is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Dr. Julie Ducharme. Hi, I'm Dr. Julie Ducharme and welcome to the She CEO Talks. I love this podcast because I get to interview such amazing women around the world talking about how they are rocking it in their She CEO positions. And today I am so excited to have with us Dr. Jen Welter. She's the first female to coach in the NFL. And she has a long list of, of things here that I'm going to go through because I just told her off mic, it's really hard to minimize her because she has so much amazing stuff. So in the summer of 2015, she served as a linebackers coach for Arizona Cardinals, a period of time defined by the bond she has formed with players and widely known as a trailblazer and pioneer in professional football, becoming the first woman to coach in the NFL was only her most recent first. She most recently served as a defensive specialist for the Lions American Football, AAF, following her record-breaking accomplishments with the Cardinals. Walter became a head coach of the first Australian women's national team in 2017. And widely known as a trailblazer in professional football, Walter became the first woman to play running back in a men's professional football league with the Texas Revolution. And in early 2015, Walter was hired as the first female coach in men's professional football, helping coach the most successful revolution season in the franchise history. See, Jen, I have to say all this stuff because it's just awesome. But I know you said it can get long. So we're going to end it right now with that you are the first and only woman to coach in the XFL this season, which is another remarkable, amazing thing that you're doing. And so welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. And you know this as well as I do, Julie, with those. It's about being a part of a great team, right? Mm -hmm. And um, hopefully somebody realizes or recognizes your talent. Um, and in my case, I like, I lovingly say what makes you different makes you special, right? So being very different, um, I think for those women who might find themselves as a first, which inherently means only, um, it's that unique voice that often can give you a strategic advantage as well. And, and that's exactly what we're talking about. When I think about women and we say she CEOs, that that really expands much more than just like a Fortune 500 position because every woman is entering into these incredible industries and breaking barriers and finding their way in there. I was just talking to someone who, a woman who's heavy into the construction world and her unique aspect about how she approached that. And she talked about as well that it wasn't really about men stopping her, but it was about men educating them to understand how to work with her. And I think that's something really interesting. And I'd love to talk about your leadership style because this is very unique. You talk a lot about how you build such incredible relationships with your athletes. And that of course builds trust. What do you feel your leadership style differentiates than maybe some others? Um, well, you know, it's funny before I was coaching, um, and, you know, I specialized in coach athlete relationships and feedback um, in my in my doctorate. And so I was coaching coaches on how to build those relationships. Um, it's feedback style. It's, you know, for me, player forward. Um, for me, it's also player person balance. Right. That's one of the most important things. Like, I, how can I coach you if I don't know you? Um, and so I think it's a really um, empathy based um, individualized relationship focused 
coaching style. Um, and that's, that's knowing how somebody needs to learn, how they receive feedback best, right? And really investing what I'd say is a moment, right? Um, I would tell people, if you need a minute, I always have a minute, right? Mm -hmm. Because if something's going on in your life, for example, and your mind's there, it can't mm -hmm. be here, right? right? So the most important thing then at that moment is to bring you back to present. And how do you know if someone's mind is elsewhere? Well, look, they always say the eye in the sky doesn't lie, right? That's something mm -hmm. we hear with coaches all the time. The eye in the sky doesn't lie. However, it also doesn't lie in terms of, are you here? If I know you've executed a play relatively flawlessly nine times out of 10 for as long as I've known you, and today you're 50%, 60%, and your game is telling me something's off, something's off. And until we get to that root cause, then we're going to stay off. So for me, I would tell guys like, hey, do you need a minute? Right. And the other one is the other big differentiator in that is like, you know, this, you've been an athlete forever. We know our mistakes as soon as they happen. Right. Yeah. Like we, we know it before yeah. the coach even honestly probably told us we're harder on ourselves than most people are. Yeah. Right. So instead of saying what's wrong with you, my question would always be, are you OK? Hmm. Right. And just little things like that that shift your positioning. Right then allow you to, to develop relationship, right? Mm. Because knowing and knowing somebody well enough to know what they're capable of and that they're they're not firing on all of those cylinders to just even be like, hey, is, is everything okay? Like, you don't look like yourself today or, you mm. know, that's not like you. They may not take you up on it, right? Or at least right away. But it means the world that you knew them well enough to know number one and two to offer that. And that's where I would say like, Hey, do you need a minute? Right. And the amount of times that I would learn more about my players in some of those strong pull aside moments that were usually on them. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I can't even tell you like, Hey coach, do you have a minute? Yeah. Coach, mm -hmm. my wife is so mad at me <laughs> and I don't even know why. All right. Listen, I'm an expert in male-female communication. What did you do? <laughs> well, I mean, coach, I said this. She said this. But coach, why did she hear that if I said this? I said, yo, I only said, I said I had a minute. Okay, that's <laughs> what I want me to tell you how to fix it. And if someone will trust you enough mm -hmm. to open up about the things that are most prized, which is, you know, your family and those then you think they won't run through a wall for you when you say, Hey, I need you to, you know, take the air out of that blitz or dip and rip on contact or get to heel depth, something like that. Like mm -hmm. the football coaching then becomes easy because the mm -hmm. relationship, which should be founded in trust and love is so solid. Wow. And I just feel like this could be applied in any industry as a leader. Um, and, and obviously it's lacking. I know for me, I've had those leaders that really don't care. And like you said, if I had, a, if, if I was able to trust a leader enough to have a minute with them, it probably would have been totally changing because my loyalty and trust is built on that relationship. And when I don't feel like I have loyalty and trust, I am not going to be giving you my all because I don't know where I sit. So I, I, I think that 
I, I mean, I just really think God, like the next, the next thing for you, you guys start going to corporations. <laughs> you guys are coaching, you guys start coaching CEOs and VPs. Um, because that to me is just revolutionary in the way that you approach that. And in probably one of the toughest industries out there. Right. I mean, I remember having coaches that all they did was yell. Right. And, and the thought was, it doesn't matter what's going on in my life. They don't care. I just better perform. And if I don't perform, then I'm out. And I worked off of a fear factor. Yep. You know? And I just, I love that, that perspective that you have on that. And obviously you, you have degrees in psychology, which is very helpful. Um, and I think that was what makes you so unique in your coaching. Now, I know you also obviously you do a lot with your, your gridiron girls and inspiring women and young girls to go after these things, because I love that you embrace different different is not bad. Different has always been made out to be bad, you know, especially for women. If you are different than the cultural norm, that is bad. And so how do you go about inspiring some of our youth and other women to embrace their differences? Well, I think, you know, one of the things for me was I struggled with that as a younger girl too, right? I, I think we, I think we all do, right? To an extent, like, you know, you try and maybe minimize yourself so that you you don't stand out too much. And it took me a long time to realize, like, why fit in when I could stand up and stand out, right? Like, why minimize what's great about me? And to do that, right, like, I kind of go a little bit extra to be able to live it and give girls that same permission, right? Like, the pink hair, the nails, I am certain that when any of you closed your eyes and said, picture a football coach, you did not picture me. Right. <laughs> and yeah. yet part of that is what makes us special, right. Owning and just being able to say like, what's different makes you special is something that I've lived for. And in my career, it took me a while to get there, especially as a, like, as a football player. I mean, Julie, I'm five foot two. Right. <laughs> and yeah. My idea of what a football player was, not me, right? She was big, she was tough, she wore black, and she was an eye black, and she was very scary. And you know, mm -hmm. when somebody five foot two thinks that they're really tough, it's kind of like the chihuahua that goes up to the, you know, to the pit bull, and the pit bull just kind of looks at it and maybe lifts its leg on it, right? Because it's not, it's not scary. It's really just kind of funny. And the other thing that you lose as a football player is if you're trying to be big, you're actually running high and you're losing your leverage. It took me one day realizing number one, pe what people hated about me. Part of it was I was little and cute. Okay. That was it. Like somebody asked my coach, they're like, Oh, how did you get so lucky? You got to ride with the cheerleaders. And he was like, <laughs> and it clicked to me. I'm like, Oh, you hate that. Huh? Okay. So from an image perspective, I went the other way. I was like, you know what? It's not really scary if I wear black. I'm not going to scare anybody. If I foot two, I'm not going to out big anybody. So why don't I out little them and out cute them? And I started wearing, you know, pigtail braids when I played, which is actually strategic. You don't really want a ponytail bump under a helmet. It's not mm -hmm. comfortable. But pink shoelaces, you know, makeup when I played and really owned that and then realized that I wasn't, if I was going to out big anybody that I could out leverage and out fast people. So I started really owning in on what was different about me. And instead of hating it and trying to play somebody else's game, I learned how to own mine. And it was at that point that I became, I went from being 
a good player to a great one. And I mean, even my smack talk was off. Like I wasn't going to tell you I was gonna blah, blah, blah. Like get up in your you know belly button, Julie. It was pretty much what it would be. If it was you, right. I wasn't going to do that. But I yeah. would, like I would make sure I tackled the biggest girl out there and be like, Hey baby, do you need a hand up? Cause I'm going to be here all day. And you know, <laughs> quarterbacks after I sat them and at that time, that's when I developed a reputation for literally being insane because anything that you expected from what a football player was or what made somebody great, I was going to lean into my own, which was opposite of everybody's idea. And then nobody really knew what to do. And it kind of short circuits your psychological response, right? Mm -hmm. We all have pre-programmed responses. Anybody, mm -hmm. anybody knows this, right? Somebody gets yeah. your face. You know, you yell at them, you expect them to cry, you expect them to, you know, yell back, you expect them to get mad, whatever it is. But you really don't expect them to like be like, oh, I love you too. Aren't you sweet? Or I'll see you next play. Or how special was that? Why don't you try again next time? And I would kind of like bat my eyes and I would like wave at the coaches on the other sidelines, like, I'll see you, I'll see you next play. And they really did not know if I was not that smart or if I was insane. And I used it as my advantage. So it's really about people and that different part and really being bold enough to lead into it actually confuses a lot of people, right? Mm -hmm. Because so yeah. many people lose themselves trying to be what they thought was an ideal version that they lose all the real. And taking that forward then to the NFL, the advice I got from Terry Glenn was what did it for me. He literally said, and he knew how I was with players, my persona. And he said, you know, if you're the same person with those guys that you were here every day, they will absolutely love you. If you're fake in any way, they will sense it and they will eat you alive. And in a business where it's very calculated, it's very performance-based, it's at times not human. We're, we're coined the phrase of the game doesn't love you. Right. We hear it all the time. The game doesn't love anybody. The game doesn't love you, but the people can. And so mm -hmm. to be authentic about that and honest and just, you know, I don't know what this is or, you know, often laughing at myself. Humor is a big one for me. Um, that's kind of been my philosophy throughout. I, I love that. And I mean, because you're owning your own power which is huge and something I so desperately want our, our young women to do because I see that struggle. I see them wanting to just, okay, I need to behave like this person because that's what's cool. You know, people will like me if I'm like this. And I very much had that path like you did. Like I was not owning my power and I was trying to be what everyone told me I needed to be. And it, frankly, it was exhausting. It was absolutely oh, it was so exhausting. exhausting. Yeah. And, you know, you just feel kind of lost. And, and, and I remember stepping into that role and going like, okay, like, I just got to be me. If I get fired, fine. If they don't like me, fine. I had a surprising response. People actually liked me like that. People actually liked the person I went like you. I like to be silly. I like to have fun. Um, I like to connect with people. And I, I was just a shocking thing. I was like, whoa, wait, you guys actually like me like this, you know? And so I love that because one of the things I, I absolutely love about you, one of the many things is that you are true and authentic to yourself and you're always transparent. Like I always tell people, you're always going to get a straight answer out of Jen. She is always going to be straight up with you. And I admire that because we don't get that a lot in this world, right? And I, I'm sure you may have had this from other people. I had lots of people would be like, Julie, just put on a suit, pull your hair back, 
keep quiet at the table and they might let you stay in the room, right? Like don't speak up because that's just don't what women do. You know, I had a lot of, a lot of other women tell me that. And it was like, really? And so I love that you're saying that because, because you and I, and so many other women out there, we got to start speaking up for our young women. You know, we had to start saying things like, Hey, yeah, go get your pink hair. That's amazing. Like, you know, you be you because you don't have to fit into this square box anymore. And so I absolutely love that. Um, I know you have so many amazing things going on. You just finished the XFL. You probably have speaking gigs that are rolling in. I know you were so busy and obviously you're going to be part of our, um, women gone wild. She talks, which we're super excited about as well, but I want to make sure that, um, some of our, and by the way, I just have to point out, I love your picture. It's like so sassy, so good. Um, but I also want to point out anything else you have going on or how we can best direct people to support you and all your initiatives that are going on. Yeah, you know, for me right now, it's going to be back to um, more getting more of the Gridiron Girls camps on, which, you know, of course, you know, we've done over um, over 50 girls camps across the country. And as I say, it's confidence through football. Mm -hmm. um, I know how important it is to have female role models that you are actually there with in person. It's not someone at a distance, somebody literally whatever the ball is that you want to play or run with putting it in their hands and, and teaching them again that in this area, right? Like football, you know, at, at one time that wasn't heard of, right? And like yeah. taking an area that's supposedly not for girls and teaching the girls like with great coaching, there's nothing that you can't do. Um, so we were the original originals at that. And um, looking forward to getting back that to that and, you know, kind of getting my feet back under me. I tell people all the time, I was like, you know, and, and I, and I, and I want to say this because I think as women, we don't talk about things like this as much, but to do what we did in the XFL, right? It's your whole life for that time, right? You are putting everything else on pause to go into a hyper-focused, high-performance environment. We got there in January. I don't think most people realize this. We got there in January. Um, and in January... We got our players mid-January. We had them for about two and a half weeks before they were on the field for their first nationally televised game. Oh, wow. Yeah, two and a half weeks. They're all rookies to us. There's no OTAs. There's no off-season, right? Like you think of with the NFL and all the stuff they're even doing now, like rookie mini camps and things like that. There was none of that. So we went from zero to 1,000 in a very short period of time. And it's, you know, it's strange because it's everything, right? Your relationships with players, coaches, everything, you know, and to put that on for a 10 week season and then it stops. It comes to a dead stop. Every, every player that you've been with on a day-to-day -day basis, like I just called and checked in on, you know, most of my guys yesterday just to see how they were doing. But everybody that you've seen every day for five months, <clears throat> you all go your own separate ways. And then you come back to life and everybody's life has continued on. 
right? Whatever they were working on, they're further on. Where the kids are taller, the dogs are older, the wine has been missed, right? Like, you know, the, the wine has aged and, and we are hopefully all finer for it. And maybe we need a few more glasses to get there. But everybody else's life, relationships, and all of those things have progressed. And you want a part of that. And so the reintegration, I think, to life is something that we don't talk about enough in terms of people who are hyper-focused. And I know I was, I've really been struggling the last, you know, kind of two weeks or whatever to find my footing within that. And it was funny because I was texting with Alyssa Milano and she was like, how are you doing? And I told her that and she, and I was like, do I sound crazy? And she goes, no, it sounds like me on every movie I ever did or every project I ever had to go off for. And she's like, and I've been doing it since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, okay. Like, and this is something, you know, the other football coaches kind of get it, but no one was telling me that, right? Mm-hmm. Because those guys are all those guys and they have their guys and, you know, they probably all did it at the same time. And yet mm-hmm. there was one woman in that scenario mm-hmm. and there was really nobody to open up and say it. And so, I think though I could highlight accomplishments, I think for me, I'd rather highlight humanity and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of say that to the, to any of the high achievers out there, like give yourself some grace, mm-hmm. right? When you, when you go from being hyper-focused and, and it does stop because some of those things do, whether it be a job or this or that, mm-hmm. and just be kind on, you know, what that re-entry looks like. Right. Mm-hmm. And, don't rush your timeline. Um, And that was kind of something that for, I think, you know, you know, we're always busy. We're always Mm -hmm. the next project and the next thing. And I think I look at it, I say that there's like, um, there's almost like a, like a, there's pressure to stay on, on the top of the mountain, right? Like literally you just finished XFL season Mm -hmm. and that was historic. There were no other women. Okay. What's next? And you're like, like, you're like, I need a breath. <laughs> like I'm choking. I'm choking myself. Right. Yeah. Pressure to keep up with that. And mm-hmm. um, and I think that's been a really kind of interesting thing to reflect on for me. And and hopefully that gives, you know, someone else listening the permission to, you know, be kind to themselves and to realize, mm-hmm. no, you're not insane. There are other people who have felt this way because that's how I was feeling. That's mm-hmm. first means only, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's the flip side that people often forget is like when you're the first at something, it also means you're the only one. So mm-hmm. finding mentorship, finding fellowship, finding someone to be able to talk about those things with really hard. So yeah. for me, that's what's most important right now is to kind of be human um, and to, to embrace the other elements of myself. Like, I mean, I haven't even gotten to work out the way I like to, you know, those yeah. are- Well, I I think that's great advice because I think as women in general and high performing women, I believe that we think we have to top the next thing and the next thing and our health mentally and physically is so important. And we usually put ourselves last when it comes to those things. And I think hearing from someone like you who is high performing and you're doing all these things to say, listen, you can take a break for a moment. It is okay. It's not going to diminish you or who you are. 
Um, and that transition, like, and that resonates for me because I feel like that all the time. Like, it's always like, okay, what do I got to do next? What do I got to do next? How do I stay worthy? Oh, I've got to keep going. And I mean, just the other day I said to someone like, I need a nap. <laughs> and they said, well, why don't you take a nap? And I was like, well, I feel guilty if I'm taking a nap, you right. know? And so it's, it's great perspective to hear that coming from you after you coming off a super intense season. And I know I appreciate that. And I know every woman who's going to listen to this is going to be like, okay, Dr. Jen is giving me permission to take a break for a second and do that. And I think that is important when we talk about she CEOs, right? That's the essence because our male counterparts are taking breaks. They're going on vacations. They're like, yeah, I'm going to go hang out with my buddies. And we're like, we got to work. We got to work. So I think that's such sage advice. So as we're coming to the end of the podcast, the last question I'd like to ask is if you could go back to your younger self and give yourself advice, what would it be? Oh my gosh. Don't be afraid of just being outstanding, right? Like, and invest in that. You know, if you want to be, if you want to be an actress, work on, you know, being a character for 10 minutes a day and, and don't be afraid to get ugly. Don't be afraid to cry those tears. You know, if you want to be an athlete, find the extra places to do it. Um, and, and just embrace the the ugly, the messy, the failure. Because when you, when you do those things and you fail forward, it makes trying other things really less scary. Um, you know, I mean, I, I've done so many things that people see as being bright and shiny. But if you knew how many things absolutely <laughs> epically face-planted, right? Yeah. Then, you know, you'd still be like, oh, wow, I didn't know you went through that. Like... Julie, I got one for you. I bet you didn't even know this one. Do you know at one time I was on the short list of an open casting call from across the country to replace Jillian Michaels on The Biggest Loser? Well, I did not know that. No. And I did not get it. I was the casting director's favorite. And then I guess some agent sold them on Anna Kornikova. So I, I lost out to Anna Kornikova. Um and and it sucked right it stung mm. and yet if i would have done that i'd have never gone on to coach in the nfl and do all those other things so you know sometimes the things that we don't get right or that don't go right it's actually because it's time timing or whatever it is but you're not going to hurt yourself by going after big things mm. right like don't be afraid of that. Just own it. And look, not everybody will. Mm -hmm. And don't be afraid to go for things and to grow from things, right? Mm -hmm. Like I knew for me that one thing that was important was to go out of state for college because I didn't want the safety net of going to my hometown every weekend. I saw so many people that did. And I wanted to, to have to make it. Right. And to push myself to have to go for it. So don't be afraid to do that and enjoy the process, mm -hmm. because if it's only a goal that matters, if you're only successful when you get that big goal, that means that you're not happy or you're not feeling good about yourself for 99 percent of the time. Yeah. That's a great advice. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that and for being so honest and transparent. I think that's so important to all of our women out there. And we have young women listening to that. They 
hear our goods and our bads and our failures. I mean, that's what this is all about and our uniqueness and how we bring it to the workplace and every workplace. So thank you so much for being on the show. As I always say, live, love, laugh, and always be your authentic self. Thanks for listening to Lead and Empower Her with your host, Dr. Julie Ducharme. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode.